Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Tanya May Event. Tanya is an engaging speaker, teacher, and award-winning author who has contributed to Chicken Soup for the Soul and has written for Guidepost and Stay Focused magazines. Her first book, A Devotional for Young Athletes, is released was released in 2021. Tanya blogs at destinedforthedub.com, where she shares how to use the Bible as a personal playbook to win against life's challenges, offering personal stories related to the intersection of her faith, her family, their athletic pursuits, and everyday life challenges. Tanya has been married to Kennedy Avent for 19 years. They reside in New Jersey with their two daughters, Kennedy and Cassidy, and her guardians to Anna. So let's welcome Tanya to the show. Welcome to the show, Tanya. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? Thank you for having me. Um, I think in addition to that, the most important thing about me is that I'm a daughter of the Most High King, and I'm truly um, finding my identity in just being God's daughter and just what that means. So I have, you know, the writing and the family and everything else, but just living my life as a daughter and a, you know, princess, you know, I'm the princess of a king and, and what that really means. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking some time out. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. It, I, did I, I just asked you this, what else would I, so yeah, sorry, I told you my brain is a little fuzzy. For our listeners, <laughs> I'm fighting through a little head cold and it's not COVID. I think half my family has been tested at this point and we're not positive. Um, but if I'm, if I'm a little brain fuzzy today, that's why. So wh- would you like to share, what would you like to share about kind of your spiritual journey, how you came to the faith and what that looks like today? Sure. So I have been a Christian my whole entire life, as long as I can remember. I distinctly remember asking Jesus into my heart. I was about six years old and it was communion time at church and I wanted to take communion so bad. My parents would not let me, they told me, you know, I had to be a Christian in order to take communion. So I remember my dad sitting me on his lap and literally um, just walking me through the sinner's prayer. And um, so growing up, I grew up in a very strict Christian household. So we were in church probably three to four times a week. I went to a Christian school, Sunday school. So really had a strong foundation of the Bible. But really that Christianity was based, I think, on religion and religious standards and practices. So we had a lot of rules of what it meant to be a Christian. You know, I, I couldn't wear pants as a child. My mom didn't wear makeup. We didn't go to the movies. So it was very strict as far as what it meant as a child um and so i can remember just the biggest thing about being a christian was going to heaven and not going to hell and and that was really the foundation and and then learning learning who god was and what the bible said um but not really having that relationship that i've you know transformed into now what my christianity now means yeah what is what has been important for you now in your relationship with jesus yeah so like i said just the the relationship um 
So having a relationship with the Trinity. So God, like I said, who's my father, um, his son, Jesus, who's my savior and my Lord, and then the Holy Spirit, who is my helper. So really building a relationship with that threefold Trinity and, and what that means and just living my life to, to give glory to God in everything that I do. Great, great. What spiritual practices have been meaningful for you uh, that you might share with others? Sure. I think um, as of recent, really just having that morning quiet time and devotional time or Bible time. Um, we think of an analogy where most of us probably do not go to bed without plugging our phones up to make sure they're charged. So I think in that same manner, it's making sure that I'm spiritually charged each morning to be able to go throughout my day and, and do everything that I'm supposed to do to, to make sure I'm strong and I'm fortified and, and being able to handle the day. So I really think that that morning time with God is so critical for me just being able to get through the day. You know, it's interesting you use that phone analogy. Uh, sometimes I use, uh, I'm sick right now, so I've been sleeping in another bedroom for my wife's sake. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll use a different charger and it is hit and miss on whether it charges. And I think about how mm-hmm. how much it affects my day if my phone is not charged. And I'm thinking of that corollary, how Absolutely. much it affects us if we're not spiritually charged. Absolutely. So yeah, that that's one thing I just say, and I encourage everyone, to, if you're not now, and just whether it's starting with reading the Word of God or, or prayer or even music, I play praise and worship music just to kind of set the tone. So any of those things is a great start, but just every morning making sure you're connecting um, with your source before you go out for the day. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm curious too, if you don't mind sharing, I, I'm a church sure. nerd, so what uh, faith, what Christian faith tradition did you grow up in? So I grew up um, Church of God in Christ, which is Pentecostal, um, and right now I'm I've been non-denominational for about eleven years now, um, and I'm the only one in my family who is no longer Church of God in Christ. So which it's very interesting where I can I wear jeans to church and and casual and and they're like you're going to church like that I'm like yeah we're we're focused on our relationship and, and not so much how we look and and all those other things that are that are kind of those standard protocols that we were used to to having to portray growing up. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I enjoy getting to hear different perspectives from people across the kind of Christian spectrum. I know some folks, <laughs> you know, because of where there are on the spectrum aren't necessarily, some folks don't want to necessarily be on this pod to share, but I enjoy listening and hearing perspectives from folks across the, the Christian theological spectrum. So uh, thanks for being here. Let's talk about, Absolutely. let's talk about kind of your work. Sure. So I have been um, blogging, I think it'll be three years in September. Um, so writing via um, Destined for the Dub um, is my blogging site and my website. So I started there um, blogging and then I got into writing. I contributed to Guidepost magazine. I, I went to a couple of publishing con conferences and kind of really tweaked um, my writing and just what I wanted to do, how I wanted to minister. I knew I wanted to minister through my writing and through my story as well. Um, we started Destined for the Dub. It's a sports theme. So dub is the word that means win. It's a sports term for win or having the victory. And so I can remember when we first started it, I was on the way to track practice with my daughters. And I was planning on writing this, um, starting to write about their victories. Of course, God wants us to win. That was my thought. So my daughter had gotten hurt the year before. She had fell over a hurdle. So we were calling it like a comeback season. And I was planning on writing how what God was going to do. He was going to do these amazing things um, in this season. And he, <laughs> he, he did, but not the way that I thought my daughter and 
end up getting hurt. She was qualifying for Junior Olympics and she had a major injury. And so really it changed to that destined for the dub being what does victory look like? And me even learning now to this process that victory doesn't always mean what we think it means in spiritual terms. So we think if we're, we get the job we wanted or, you know, the home or the car, all those things that we want, all of our desires, if we want them, that we have the victory. And this has just been a journey of that's, that's not what the victory means. The victory means that God is getting the glory out of whatever it is that you're going through and that you're able to um, point back to him and where his hand has been in your journey along the way. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but this, okay. what you're saying kind of speaks to a question I was going to ask you about. Sure. Um, one of your quotes from one of your blogs is that we were happy, fit, accomplished, living proof of God's abundant goodness. And you just kind of spoke to it how so often our perspective is that God is only honored in victories and victories uh-huh. being our, like you said, external victories. Um what was that like to kind of change that perspective of like, hey, like, I don't know, I don't know exactly the situation, like, my daughter's not winning track championships, or I'm not necessarily getting the job promotion, or mm-hmm. however, however we understand victories in our own lives. Or I still have this diagnosis that the doctor is still saying something is wrong, and, and I'm not healed like I should be. So those kind of things, we, we feel like, Um, again, what our end desire, what we want to happen in our lives should be the victory. And I think that we don't grow. We would never grow if everything always went the way we wanted it to go. There's just no way that we could grow. Um, So through these trials, these mountains, these hurdles, however you want to call them, um, as we go through them, we have to turn ourselves and our faith over to trusting God. It doesn't look right, God. It's hard to trust you, but against everything that I'm feeling on the inside, I'm still going to trust you anyway, because I know that you have a plan for my life. And so I'm just, it's a, it's a journey of faith and it's a walk of faith. I'm going to just believe you, even though I can't see what it looks like on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested kind of in, again, in, in your broader story here about how uh, about how in your in your your kids track performance mm-hmm. how you I don't know how how you kind of got found yourself caught up in this demand for victories this demand for results um, kind of talk about how I don't know how how you came to the realization that that was happening and then how you recognized or saw that negatively affecting your family sure so I'm a type A personality, I think, by <laughs> by nature. So that kind of just comes naturally of, of just winning. Um, and I saw that my daughters had had talent. They um, were qualifying at the highest levels. They were national finalists. We went to Junior Olympics every year. Um, so that just came to be the expectation that my husband and I would have of them. And, and it's interesting. We watched a movie called Trophy Kids on Netflix and it was about these parents that kind of, and they had very talented kids, but they kind of just drove, drove, drove these kids and they took the, the, the joy out of it. The kids, a lot of them wind up not playing the sports anymore. And I watched it with my daughters and they kept calling out certain behaviors in those parents that they saw in me. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So that I think was the first step of that eye opener. And literally that was early, I think in 2018. And then later in that year is when my daughter Kennedy, um, you know, had her injury. And I think, again during that time of 
finding our identity because our identity was always in them winning before. So she went through a period even as well as if I'm not winning, then who am I or what am I and what am I here for? And so that was part of the transformation of of finding who we were in God and, and what we, we always believe, or I always believe, I know we have a purpose and a calling on our lives. So what is that purpose, whether it was to continue in sports or not, we had to look to God for our purpose and not what we thought um, it should be. Hmm. I'm intrigued by that statement. You said that your, your identity or your, your identity, your, your daughter's identity in a way was found only in winning. And I'm curious if you'd agree, like to me, it seems like that much of American Christianity, it seems like we've kind of would almost the same thing. Like our identity is winning and expecting to win. And it's kind of this, this, um, I don't know, just complete disillusionment if we quote unquote lose. And I'm curious, like, do you think we need to get away from that? Again, this obsession with winning. Absolutely. And I hear it. I don't, I don't want to call out, but it's, it's one of the things of that prosperity faith that that's going through now that, you know, God's going to bless you with cars and houses and cribs. And if he doesn't, then you're doing something wrong or you're not believing him enough. And I think it's very disingenuous, um, especially as I'm struggling where my daughter's not 100%, but I know that I've been standing on the word of God. And so I'm like, maybe it's not time, but I know that what happens to me or the benefits or anything that we receive is not based upon our faith or or what God has for us. We think of stories in the Bible. We think, and I think of Job all the time, did nothing wrong. He was an upright man before God and went through what he went through. So I'm reminded of those stories that there's a lesson. I just always believe, I think God is trying to teach me a lesson. He's trying to teach others a lesson in having them go through that. We cannot grow if we don't face hurdles and we don't face mountains and we don't face hard times. And he's growing us to that, those times when we are going to be in heaven and we're going, we're going to be ruling next to him. And, and so I'm like, what kind of ruler? Maybe I'm being developed to be this ruler, you know, when I'm, when I'm ruling with him after he comes and, 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 and retrieves his own, that, that maybe it's preparation for there. I, I don't know, but I know it's something bigger, something greater. And it's a matter of me trusting in the unknown, but knowing that he knows everything. And it's, and it's, I can just be good not knowing as long as I'm trusting. I like your track metaphor there of hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I think uh, something else you 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 wrote about about how you tended to or you had began to base your own self worth on your girls' accomplishments, and you know much of the reward was posting victory photos on social media. And I just think about like a social media is its own kind of quagmire. It's a beast. <laughs> it's an absolute beast. But. We've all seen it probably of families, you know, friends who we follow, who are who are colleagues or classmates or whatever, who, who post their celebrations and we find ourselves envious or maybe, you know, us wanting to post our victory so that we can, quote unquote, compete with them and show ourselves equally valid as them. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So I guess there's there's two things for you to respond to there is I guess the challenge of social media and then like sure. the challenge of living vicariously through your children. Sure. So I'll tackle social media first. I always say that it's the highlight reel of our lives. 
we we sh- we sh- pull out the best parts of our lives to showcase to others and so you'll see people take five six seven pictures until they take that right one that's deemed appropriate and approved to to post on social media when all the the realness that we're living with um is hidden and not shown so i think that's um that's why i say it's a beast and it's it's just it others can feel there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with my family because i don't have that same experience that i'm sh- that i'm seeing on social media but again you're only seeing that other person's highlights you you haven't seen all of the outtakes and all of the different things that they had to to do to get to even that point and then you have filters on top of that so filters kind of adjust your you know your view anyway so you're not even seeing the true picture on top of it so have there been some helpful boundaries or guidelines you put in place for yourself just to kind of balance that well i think even now yes i i would think every time I'm going somewhere, I've got to, I've got to post. And I was, last week I was, took my daughter to a college visit and I, we got back and I've been posting, oh, we're, we're here and we're there and we're showing these colleges and we left the college. And I said, I didn't post any pictures. And, and I've kind of struggled with that, but I'm like, that's okay. I, I don't, I don't have to. And people don't know, have, to, have to know everything about me or all the good things. It's okay if someone doesn't know that. I don't have to post every single uh, detail of my life. So it's, it, that's a thing of even though other people are, you kind of can, can get drawn in and want to do that, but being okay with, with, with not, yeah, with not having to post everything. Now, the second question I was going to ask you is something I've seen. I, I, I don't do it currently, but for about 10 years, I officiated uh, youth sports, high school lacrosse mm-hmm. and high school basketball. And certainly I came across an overly ambitious, we might say, parent. Uh, and it often seemed, like I said, that there is, there are parents who are almost seeking to live vicariously through their own children. How do you see that um, in parents today? Uh, how perhaps do you wrestle with that yourself? And then how, how, what might your advice be for parents to overcome that? Sure. So I was probably, if I was, if you were officiating my game, I would have probably been that parent. <laughs> I can remember when they played soccer, I would yell probably the whole game. At some point during the game, they would be crying. I'd be getting dirty looks. And and that was for a long time to the point that I'm, they're older now, but I'm seeing even on the court, they may look back at me and see what my face looks like. Is, am I, do I have a smile? What, you know, is my face taut? Is it tight? And, and those are the kind of things that, in hindsight, if I could go to see those youth sports, then I would tell the parents, just let them enjoy it. Just, just let them enjoy the sport for what it is. Because I feel like sometimes I may have taken the joy out of them playing the sports because they were so focused on the performance rather than the joy of just playing. And, and again, with parents living vicariously through their children, and I know many of the times I, I didn't reach the accolades that my daughters that I ran track, but not on the level that they did. And I think maybe a lot of times parents feel like maybe their child can go further than they did. And it may not be, I guess, negative initially, but you kind of get, can get drawn into it. Well, they have this potential. And you see, you see probably more potential in your own child than, <laughs> than might really be there. Um, but I think we, you know, we all see that potential in our children. And we'll probably, if we're not careful, we'll continue to push and push and push um, to have them get to a certain level that we deem that they can get to. But again, so that we can say, my daughter, this. I mean, who wants to say, my daughter has straight A's. My daughter made this, got this award. We all are, want to sh- be proud of those um, things that our children can achieve. But um, one thing I realized, even I think in graduation time last year, my one daughter, um, 
she didn't get any awards. And, and I had wrote something about it and I had saw other parents saying I felt the same way. Like parents were literally sitting in the stands feeling some type of way because their daughter wasn't recognized as if someone else's recognition validated their child's worth. So it's, it's a matter of I, we have to know and, and appreciate our children for who they are. God gave them to each of us. He trusted us to raise them. And so we have to make sure that we do not betray that trust by um, leading them down the wrong path, by moving them out of the way of, of who and what God created them to be. I think it goes back to something you said earlier, just about our identity being in mm-hmm. Christ. Those are my mm-hmm. words, so hopefully they're fair. But our identity being in Christ and God as, as children of God, as God's beloved, whatever words we want to use, and we don't need to rely on external... I know it's hard. I mean, trust me, yeah. I know it's hard. Um, but I think that's... I, I wonder if that's a lot of what it comes down to. It is, and it's something you've got to keep repeating to yourself. It's not a one time you get it and you're good. you got to keep repeating it and reminding yourselves over and over again when you get caught up in going kind of to the left. you got to pull yourself back in and say, no, you know, I'm getting pulled away. This, this is... It's, it's all about identity. It's all about purpose, and it's all about, you know, God's plan. Yeah. So I'm hearing throughout all this kind of contentment. Um, mm-hmm. We know the verse, at least as I, or at least as I memorized it growing up. Godliness with contentment is great gain. How much of this is just? I mean, I'm sure like you. You know, you said you're a Type A person. I can be very driven myself, and for me, I have to find the balance of knowing when I'm. Uh, striving for something versus when I'm chasing something. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, what does contentment look like for you as someone who's very driven? And how do you know to find the balance of, uh, I'm striving after something that, you know, we might say is godly or, or, or uh, God we pleased with versus I'm chasing after something. That's excellent. So I, I think back to the scripture, um, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. And so as I'm delighting myself, I'm thinking about the things that he wants for me. And I'll say I'm not always content. It, it, it's wavering. It fluctuates. Um, I know that at one point, I think a couple of months ago, the children that my daughter ran with, their parents are, they're doing great. You know, kids are doing, going to states and doing amazing things. And their parents are posting these videos and I'm feeling something negative on the inside. And I'm feeling not jealousy. It's very hard. I don't even know the word to, to you know, describe it. But I knew that it wasn't, if I, if I did not address it, it could go somewhere that I did not want it to go. So I had to like kind of turn off notifications and stop following yeah. those people. Um, because there was still healing. That showed me there was still healing hmm. inside of me that that was needed for those those areas. And and so what I'm doing now is I'm trying to grow to the point that I can be happy for anyone, no matter what their child is doing. Yes, maybe I desired it for my child, and they may not be, but I want to still be able to be happy for you and not live with a feeling of envy or, or jealousy because that just wasn't in God's plan for my child. So, it, again, it keeps coming back to... His plan, um, what, and I say every morning, you're, you know, I say the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I truly mean that. Lord, whatever you want, and I want to be okay with whatever you want as long as your will is done. Boy, I'm giving this author a lot of free publicity. So Heather Thompson Day, if you're listening, you're welcome. But I'm, I recently <laughs> interviewed, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the author. She lives in Colorado. That's why I'm from, 
uh, Heather Thompson Day, and she wrote about this book, It's Not Your Turn. And it really kind of resonated Mm. with similar themes here of what you're saying about the importance of being able to celebrate others. Uh, And I know that's hard for me of like seeing others again. And it's hard because like you said, they're posting their highlights of their life, not necessarily everything that's going on, but celebrating for others when they achieve victories, even though it's not your own. Yes. Yeah. And there's a there's been a meme going around social media just as of the last week, the same thing. I'm going to cheer for you until it's my turn. And I'm like, yes, that's that's what I want. You know, I want to stick with that. I'm, I'm going to keep cheering. And, and it's, you know, the word says rejoice with those that do rejoice. Rejoice um, with someone else's the same way that you want people to rejoice when it's your turn. I think it kind of I almost wonder if it gets into sort of I'm thinking about this from a, almost from an economic perspective as if there's limited there's only we kind of think that there's only limited success limited mm-hmm. you know and it's like right versus the the what i think is probably a more godly approach of like a, a, like a rising tide lifts all boats like if we some if we see someone else succeed like ultimately uh if they're if they're following god that's going to help yes. us right and there's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to his blessings. It's not like he has a, a, a you know, a certain limit he's got to meet. And by then he doesn't give out anything else. There's nothing limiting what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation. I wanted to ask too, and I, I kind of gave you a heads up here as a, as a pastor, as someone who's been very invested in church and talking to a lot of pastors and church leaders, I know one of the, the struggles that I've heard for the last probably 10 to 20 years and you've addressed somewhat in your writing is the struggle kind of going along with what we spoke about of this desire to achieve and and to see results and kind of keep up with other families and social media is to put church on the back burner and say hey i need to miss this weekend because we're going to an event or this or that or the other Um, talk about how that looked like in your life and how you found some balance there sure i think that started initially i read a book called outliers which stated that you know you need 10,000 hours, I want to say, to achieve a certain elite status. Um, and that kind of, I don't know, planted a seed that we had to just, any available opportunities to train, to practice games, whatever, that that's what we had to do. And I can remember as a child, again, in that strict household, there were no sports on Sundays. I remember like football was played on Sundays and my brother was a very talented athlete, but my parents never let him play on Sunday. Um, just because that was church day, that's the day we went to church. And I think um, now, and that's five, there was five siblings and we all had our children play in sports, but it wasn't the way that we were raised. It was almost like there was that transformation that took place. Um, but I think for me personally, I, it got to a point that uh, I've, I just felt like, and I think even praying about it, maybe the Lord put it on my heart that we were idolizing the sport over God. We were idolizing their the time they needed to be playing their sports over the time they needed to be spending with God. So I remember one season at our church, you know, we have Sunday service and we have a Wednesday service for, for the youth. And due to them having practices every Wednesday, they went through a whole four or five months not going to church to have the word, you know, kind of targeted directly. You know, youth is more so at their level. And when I sit back and think about it, that was very it could have been very detrimental to their spiritual growth who knows what truths that they could have learned um that they missed out on by not being there so i it's interesting i went to the coach so volleyball it's volleyball season so that's the the big one that we play now and so i went to the coach last week and i said 
we are really being intentional about our children not missing volleyball. So can you let me know when the practices are? Because Sundays and Wednesdays, those are our church days. And he and he got back to me and kind of gave me those times and they and they worked that we could still do that. And I wonder, you know, even now, if they hadn't been a time, I would have probably pressed for the time or said, you know, we've got to work something out. But I just it's important, especially in light of COVID and especially in the mental challenges and, and different things that are going on, especially with the youth, that they stay connected. It's it's I, I just it's important to me spiritually and mentally that they just stay connected. Um, so if that's saying no to some tournaments, if it's saying no to some practices, if it's saying no to possibly even losing a position, that's um, that's something that I probably didn't consider doing before. That that it's it's definitely it's not a question about it anymore because I am seeking first the kingdom of God, <laughs> and so you know everything else. They'll, it'll come into place. So let me ask this then, and again, I ask this as a pastor and for other pastors and church leaders. I was just listening to a podcast about the, the college admission scandal, uh, the one uh-huh. where folks were basically buying uh, their kids into uh, into schools via testing and even kind of fake acad- or athletic scholarships. Yes. And the kind of the broader theme of this podcast I listened to was just the, the kind of the corrupt system in itself. But part of that being like the extraordinary lengths that parents will go to for their children to get into college. And I know that sports can be a huge part of that. So what do you what advice, if any, and maybe you don't, might you might you say to pastors um, for like a, a track or an avenue that pastors might give some pastoral wisdom or counseling to families and say, hey, I know college is important to your children, but, you know, church is important too. What are your yeah. thoughts there? And, and that's the thing of you're, you're thinking, what are you sacrificing? Are you willing to sacrifice your child's spiritual development mm-hmm. to, to go to college? And if you hear stories of children and youth that have gone to college, Many of them don't finish. They don't graduate um, because they couldn't handle it. Yeah, They didn't have that foundation, whether it was mental foundation, emotional support, different things. And so to that, I would say you have to understand what are you sacrificing um, for the for that scholarship maybe per se that that may or may not even come you know we we were at that same month we just thought it was assume our children would get you know scholarships and with my oldest we're kind of in between that now where the time that's missed it, it's impacting her but i'm too i'm at a point now god whatever your plan is you'll make a way financially you'll provide wherever she's supposed to go so i've even kind of released that that's another another area that i've had to release to him is college where she, where is she going number one how are we going to pay for it is she going to play a sport those are all unknowns but there's peace in that you already have you know the word says he's already written out our our days he already he already knows we don't know he's on the other side he already knows so i can trust that it's it, he has that plan it's already done it's already written out so i just got to walk through it and, and just trust him the entire way you know i'm hearing a theme again and again here of trusting god and then giving up control and I think that's probably one of the hardest things for us to do is maybe human beings is to give up I mean I, I think you'd probably agree with me like there's some things we we can and should be in control but there are other things that are outside of our control that okay. we just need to recognize that's outside of my control I can't mm-hmm. I can't control that 
Absolutely. Yeah, I was just writing a devotional, and, and I guess I'll, I can plug it here. <laughs> I'm writing a devotional for young athletes. Um, so it, it was kind of birthed from my daughter's story um, of I knew the word of God, and I was standing on the word of God and his promises, but my, I questioned if she had been dealt and this happened to her, did she have enough biblical foundation to get through this without mom being around. So that kind of led me to writing, it's a it's an annual devotional, it has 52 scriptures, and, and it's kind of a working title, but 52 scriptures your young athletes should know before they leave your home. And so it was, what are the 52 most important scriptures that my daughter should know to be able to have a strong spiritual foundation upon me releasing her to the world. And so I was writing, one of the scriptures is cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so as I was writing about that, it, it was just all of those different worries and those different cares. It, it has to be a, a daily just kind of releasing to him and then not taking it back. I had to be able to release it to him and trust him with it. And then not, okay, he's fixed it. It's, it's fixable now. I'll take it back and I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here, God. I've done that many times and continue to mess it up over and over. But it was a lesson of just, you know, when you're worried or anxious about something, you there's so, there's so far that you can go. But when you get to a point that is causing you anxiety and worry, you got to cast it to God and you got to, you know, leave it with him because he cares for us and he wants to take those burdens from us. Yeah, yeah. Give me two more, if you can, maybe, of those 52. Yeah. So another one, I'll tell you ones that I've been struggling with because what it is, it's a, it's, they're the verses, but I've got, I do a workout. So it's a seven day workout to kind of drill the scripture into them. So it was almost like, how can I write seven different days (laughs) of the same thing? So um, we walk by faith and not by sight was another one that I, I kind of just struggled to, to put it into a youth's term, but the same thing we, we, we figure out and we judge things based upon our senses, what we smell, think, hear, feel. Those things are how we come up with our conclusions. But walking by faith is is believing something we have no evidence on. So again, this is part of my walk and not having evidence of what our future holds. But me walking by faith, I don't have to have evidence or proof of it. But as I walk in trust, not knowing what the plan is ahead, my actions will reflect the faith that I'm walking through. So that was another one. And then um, one of the early ones is um, the word is a lamp into my feet and light into my path. And I talk about um, being in, in crystal caves. It's in Pennsylvania. It's a cave that goes underground and it's pitch black when they turn the lights off. And how sometimes if, if we don't have the word of God, we're walking in darkness and we don't know where we're going. And so it's important that we learn his word. And the point of the devotional is to be that light and that path to guide their steps as they journey through their lives. Well, give the title again there. So it's working title. I haven't submitted it to my publisher yet, but I, the premise is 52 scriptures your young athletes should know before going off into the world. So, yeah. Let me ask this maybe final question before we take a break. Just again, as a sure. parent of young children, uh, from my own self, and hopefully it's uh, helpful for others listening, just... I don't know what there's so much going on in today's world. There's so many external pressures that parents face. I know just from what I've experienced, just the pressure of like feeling like you're never doing enough for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you, what, do, what advice do you have for me? What advice do you have for other, uh, you know, folks, perhaps ministry leaders as the, as they minister to young parents? Absolutely. I was one of those, we, we had an, 
crazy schedule where there was no downtime. Our, our lives were, you know, really from going to practice or going, but even at young age, putting them in clubs and programs, just wanting to build, you know, as parents, again, my child's in art, they're in the STEM program, they're in the sport. We want to bring and feed so much into our, our children to, to blossom into these, these people that, again, we can brag about it, but still that they would have successful lives. Um, but I think one thing that, that COVID had sh- has shown me in particular was that I missed um, a lot of just everyday times. Um, so when we were stuck in the house and couldn't go anywhere, um, just the quiet time of, of just being together and just having experiences. So I think to young parents, if I could go back, and I say that all, I can't live in regret, but I, if I could go back and do it all again, I would, I would cherish the time just not having to achieve but just to be you think about god walking in the garden with adam and eve they just were being they were just there and they were just in fellowship so really we have our children for you know 17 18 years again i have a senior that i'm i'm you know having (laughs) struggles with because she has i have one more year with her and i say did i do everything that i wanted to do with her did i show her everything did we spend time did we go where we wanted to go um you know you have a finite time with your child so make sure that um you're, you're pouring into them, you're, you're uh, spending time with them, and you're, you're having experiences and, and building a foundation that would just last them through their adulthood. Well, as we're recording this, it's end of August, and I imagine for, for you probably school is just starting or will be starting soon. So you get a let's, uh, let's hope and, and pray for Tanya and really get a great year with her daughter. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate those prayers, yes. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Tanya May Event, and a great, great conversation. I really appreciate your perspectives. Um, taking these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to, but if you're Pope for a day, uh, what does that day look like? What do you want to do? That kind of thing. If I'm Pope for a day, I would actually use it to call upon all of the believers to actually have a day of fasting. Um, I feel like there's so much going on in our world. And I think back to the story of of Esther in the Bible, and even um, Jonah, when he went to Nineveh, there was problems in those times and how God called upon those people to, to fast and pray so that his hand would move. And so I just feel like a lot of times we get caught up in so much that's going on in the world and just God, if you could just move, if, 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 what do we do? You know, we call upon you. We, if we fast and pray, would you just move on our behalf? And so that's what I would do. I would, I would just get all the believers on one accord to be able to call out to God to heal our lands. Yeah. And maybe at least do a social media fast, right? How much that might help us just, Absolutely. how much that Absolutely. might help us just hear clearly from God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life. So my favorite character in the Bible, well, not character, but person in the Bible, I think, would be um, Joseph. Um, along the same lines, I I would want to just know how did he have that tenacity and fortitude to, to go through everything that he went through, you know, from his brothers kind of betraying him and then working his way up to Potiphar's wife and then being accused and back in jail for, you know, how many years and, and just... You know, even his mindset in those low times, like how, what did you do, Joseph? How did you maintain it? But then seeing it on the other side and knowing that he was able to not only save his family, but save a whole generation. Yeah. You know, just from being able to 
not give up and to 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 just stay strong in in spite of prison in spite of of all of the hardship that he faced so i just I, I, I'm so encouraged by him. So you hear a lot of, even with my story, it, it really does come from, from his story and just how he had that fortitude to be able to, to make it through. And just, just as the word says, what, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns around for good and the saving of many souls. And so I, I say that even about us, what the enemy meant for evil, God's turning it around. I don't know how, I don't know the plan, but I know he's turning it around to, and he's going to save souls. And so that's why I love coming to talk to you or, or anyone about our story, because I want to use it to, to, Hopefully, if it's just one person that it helps, then that makes it all worth it. Yeah. Well, I'm at least the one person. <laughs> Wonderful. So this podcast is, you know, primarily about me learning from people. So anybody else who listens is just bonus. Just icing on the cake. <laughs> what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Um. So, of course, just the the... The devastation, I think, of COVID. You know, we, we look back to even the Spanish flu a century ago, um, and, and I think that the story is still being told. I I often wonder if the people during the ten plagues knew what was going on um, during that time. You know, now we we hear about it, we know the story, and there was the devastation of the different things that happened. But I often wonder what this time going to look like in the future, as far as would it be that same similar kind of thing where God was trying to tell us something and were we not listening? And so is something, or is this why, you know, you have the forest fires and you have the flooding and the rain. Is, is it because we're not, is it something we're missing that, that we need to, to hear from God and change? So I, I, I think this will, that'll, that'll be the story as, as what the purpose was behind everything that we're going through right now. Yeah. Um, what do you hope for the future of Christianity? I hope that we would be more like Christ. I, I say this all the time. Um, people that claim to be Christians really don't reflect his words, his actions, or his life. Um, so I really pray that Christianity is transforming so that when people say they're Christians, that they reflect the life of Christ in everything that they do. Well, where can people find out more about you? Give your website again. Sure. My website is Destined. D-E-S-T-I-N-E-D, destined, the number four, the dub, D-U-B.com. And that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook as well. So um, I post on the website and then all of my links are posted for when I do blog. Um, we post on there as well. So I have a, a series coming up next month. Start, it's called Faith-Filled Moms. So I did a month of it um, during Mother's Day. And it just, it was, it was so amazing to tell other mothers' stories of, just like mine, but you know, unique to them of, of their faith. And so what we're gonna do is each month we're gonna feature a different topic that mothers are dealing with. And we're gonna just encourage the body of Christ and other mothers in the body of Christ. So we'll start off, we're gonna start off with moms who have children with autism and they're gonna share their stories. Um, there's gonna be some moms that have had kids that have been injured like mine. Um, some moms of children with pediatric cancer. Um, even moms that have experienced the death of a child. So we're, we're gonna really get into those deep things that some women are probably still struggling with and we just want to give them the word of god um to show them that they can walk through faith and get through whatever they're going through so i'm excited it's going to be an exciting time so if you sign up for the website we'll we'll give you a heads up uh, we're going to be blogging and streaming um interviewing folks and and just encouraging moms to to, to to hold on to their faith 
I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I recently had another guest on, Elizabeth Hagen, who wrote a book mm-hmm. about brave church and the importance of having these hard conversations in church. You know, one of her things was um, infertility, about how that can so often be just pushed under the rug and how, you know, these are real struggles that people deal with. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're having those conversations. Absolutely. That might be another topic now that you mentioned it. So, <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> Um, are you on Twitter, by the way? That's what I was going to ask. I am, but I'm not very active. So Destined for the Dub is still on Twitter, but that's the one platform that I'm not as active, I think, as I should be on. But I am there, yes. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate the conversation and your perspectives. Thank you for having and, uh, me, yes. I always leave people with a blessing, so may God's peace be with you. And you as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace.